Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 18th. The Battle of Mabila took place on this day in 1540. This was during Spain's conquest of the Americas. And in this conquest, Spain really had multiple goals. They were looking for gold, silver, and other riches. They were converting the local population to Christianity, and they were claiming colonial territory for the Spanish Empire. Hernando de Soto had been part of the conquests in Central and South America in both Nicaragua and Peru. And in 1537, he asked to be sent into North America to continue on with the same conquest. He had an expedition that he helped fund himself, and that expedition left Spain on April 7th, 1548. They first made their way to Cuba, they stopped there to pick up supplies, and they landed on the western coast of what's now Florida more than a year after departing from Spain. DeSoto's force moved inland and north, and as they did this, they became the first Europeans to make their way through what's now the southwestern United States. And really, this expedition didn't go particularly well. They had a much more formal fighting style, and that was really susceptible to attacks and ambush by the native people, who did things like fire at them while concealed in trees and other vegetation. And when they met native people, DeSoto wasn't particularly kind to them. He would demand to be provided with food and labor and porters from the native population, And if the native population didn't immediately bow to these demands, he would just take the chief captive to try to force them to comply. In DeSoto's relentless search for treasure, they also repeatedly dug up and plundered indigenous burial mounds. In October of 1540, DeSoto met Tuscaloosa, who was a powerful chief among the Mississippian peoples. Exactly who his peoples were, the cultural makeup, is a little bit unclear, and we also don't know which languages they spoke amongst each other. But DeSoto met Tuscaloosa at his major settlement of Atahachi. DeSoto demanded that Tuscaloosa provide him with 400 porters, and Tuscaloosa said that he would only do this from Mabila, not from Atahachi, where they currently were. So DeSoto, following the pattern he had been until this point, took Tuscaloosa captive. They left Atahachi on October 12th. Once they got to the town of Mabila, DeSoto decided to bring all the plunder that he had gathered up until this point into the town with him. He also had guards armed with crossbows and halberds. Tuscaloosa went into a house, and he sent a message to DeSoto that he would not travel any further with him, that DeSoto should just go. He should leave the town and leave Tuscaloosa's territory. When one of DeSoto's men tried to order one of the native people to go and fetch Tuscaloosa and bring him back out, this man refused to do it. DeSoto's soldier responded by cutting the native man's arm off. And that's when the fighting began. It turned out that it was not porters who were waiting in Mabila, it was warriors. 
DeSoto's force had to fight their way out of the town, but they had to leave all of those supplies and plunder behind. Once they were out, DeSoto's force set fire to the town, which was surrounded by a palisade. And so all of their loot and all of their supplies burned up along with the town. About 3,000 people died in the battle and the burning. It may, though, have been as many as 5,000 people. Tuscaloosa does seem to have tried to escape, but it's almost certain that he was killed. Only about 20 of DeSoto's force was killed, but more than 200 were wounded in all of this. They also lost many of their horses, and as I said earlier, all the supplies that had been brought into the town. DeSoto's brother-in-law and nephew were among the people killed. DeSoto continued to press west after this point, insisting that he had to find gold and thinking that if he stopped the expedition now, after this massive disaster at Mabila, it would be considered a failure. His force passed by resources and fertile land in order to make this press westward, and they finally reached the Mississippi River in 1541. They still didn't find any gold, though, and he finally decided to turn back and to build boats and to try to use the river to reach the sea and maybe regroup and go out again from there. But instead, he died before accomplishing any of that on May 21st of 1542. His expedition had traveled almost 4,000 miles. Of course, the city of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is named for Tuscaloosa. And the exact location of the town of Mabila and the site of the battle isn't precisely known. Archaeologists have been searching for it, and it's likely that it's somewhere outside of what's now Selma, Alabama. That's one of the reasons why there are still questions about exactly who the people were that were fighting against DeSoto on that day. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on today's episode and to Tari Harrison for her audio work on this podcast. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a revolution. Hello, everybody. I'm Eves, and you're tuned into This Day in History class a show where we travel back in time one day at a time. The day was October 18, 1954. Texas Instruments announced the first commercial transistor radio, the Regency TR-1. A transistor is a device that controls the flow of electricity and electronic equipment. The device was invented in 1947, when scientists at Bell Laboratories in New Jersey successfully demonstrated one for the first time. The transistor was developed to replace vacuum tubes, which were cumbersome, faulty, used a lot of power, and produced a lot of heat. Bell Labs announced the invention of the transistor in 1948, and over the next several years, the device was improved and replaced vacuum tubes and mechanical relays. The transistor was smaller than vacuum tubes, used less energy, and was more durable. The use of transistors also allowed for immediate operation of a device, since there were no filaments that had to heat up. The invention of the transistor changed the field of electronics in a major way. In their early years, radios were huge, unwieldy pieces of equipment. On top of that, they used a lot of energy. There were portable radios that used vacuum tubes, but they were still heavy and bulky, and vacuum tubes were still inefficient. 
It's likely that many companies were planning to create radios using the new transistor technology, and some did create prototypes. But the technology company Texas Instruments was the first to offer a commercially manufactured transistor radio. Texas Instruments, which was already producing germanium transistors, was eager to get the first transistor radio to the consumer market. The company worked with the Regency division of a firm called Industrial Development Engineering Associates to create the Regency TR1. Other prototype transistor radios required manually selecting and matching electrical parts to make them work, which made production expensive. But an engineer working on the TR1 designed a feedback circuit that let production run parts be soldered directly into the boards with manual selection. Production of the radio was kept secret until it was unveiled on October 18, 1954, and soon after, it was offered for sale to the public. The introduction of the TR1 made portable audio feasible and fashionable. Ads announced that the TR1 was so small that it could be put in a normal suit coat pocket. It had four germanium transistors and a 22.5 volt battery with more than 20 hours of life. It was just five by three by one and a quarter inches big. At first, it was offered in four colors, ivory, black, mandarin red, and cloud gray. But soon, the color choices were expanded. It cost just under $50, which is around $477 in 2019. Though that price was prohibitive for a lot of people, around 100,000 of the radios were sold in a year. A contemporary press release said that, quote, the pocket size is a significant achievement since it includes a high fidelity, high volume speaker, and a single battery supply, as well as all associated receiver circuit components. People were a fan of the radio's appearance, but it was lacking in the areas of quality and performance. In the years after the release of the TR1, other companies like Sony also began producing transistor radios, paving the way for later developments in portable audio. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Send your best history memes to us at TDIHC Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.